0: Welcome to Creators by Moonlight, real conversations with content creators. Steve Cook is a small business owner from Oklahoma City. He grew up around horses and eventually began creating content for his family's equine feed stores. In this interview, he talks about having a business-oriented mindset. Initial fears of publishing content and what led him to create the Better Business Podcast with Steve Cook.
1: Oklahoma City is a very, has a very small town feel. The actual city is one of the largest cities as far as acres or miles or however you want to call it very spread out. Basically all of the metro seems like little pockets of small towns. I was raised in a small town southwest of Oklahoma City in a town called Tuttle. I had about 100 people in my grade and we were one of the larger schools around. A lot of schools around us had you know 20 to 30 kids in their grade. So that's the way I was raised and um, still live here to this day. Growing up, we were all about sports. We were indoctrinated with football. I know Texas is huge in high school football, but I feel like Oklahoma is equally passionate. I don't know if we have the talent like a lot of the Texas high school football teams have, but I remember from third grade to seventh grade, we had actual like two-a-day practices started in like June and July for us. Even in Little League, we ran the same plays as the high school teams. I mean, it was like a serious deal, even from Little League. And then as you can imagine, if that's how the Little League was, you can imagine how the junior high and high school teams behaved and acted. Um, we had other sports in our school and were really good. Um, our schools won the Wrestling State Championship. Man, to this day, I think they're still on a streak like 14 years in a row or something like that softball is incredibly good at the school I went to. Baseball was incredibly good when I was going there, but football just kind of seemed like it was the main stage. Um, and we were real good at football as well. My childhood was, I feel like about like any other normal childhood, as far as my, uh, relationship with my parents and things like that, everything was great. But as far as my childhood being different in that, perspective, I think I didn't really understand this really until the last several years that there are some differences between my childhood and a lot of other people's in the fact that I was very entrepreneurially raised, if that makes sense. I started kind of getting hints of this in in high school. I would ask, you know, what somebody's parents did or something like that. And I would have friends like, I don't know, you know, uh, my dad kind of does sales for this or that, or I'm not real sure. And it started to blow my mind that, well, I was taken to work with my parents every day and I was, (laughs) you know, uh, a dishwasher or a, a parking lot cleaner upper or a window washer or whatever in different businesses that my parents had all growing up. And so I think that, my childhood though it seemed very average and normal to the people around me and the fact of we weren't incredibly well off we weren't dirt poor or anything like that by any means we were i guess you could say middle class it was very different in the fact of my dad especially instilled in me this importance of being in charge of your destiny he was never dead set on you know i want you to be a business owner but kind of raised me to be in charge of my future in charge of my destiny if you will in the fact of you know whether that means owning your own business or you need to be in control of your job and in, in some facet he had seen several layoffs at the corporation that he worked at um for about 15 or 20 years something like that he had worked in a big company and had seen people get blindsided by these you know mass layoffs and stuff like that and he was very adamant about me being in control of my destiny and For those reasons, I think kind of where I am now is that I'm very adamant about wanting to own my own business or own my own job or whatever you want to call it in that capacity at this point. Really, I I wouldn't say I was above and beyond in business. I was very involved in sports, which I think kind of took the capacity of my mental (laughs) creativity and stuff like that for that and chasing girls and stuff like that. But I did definitely uh, always was had a summer job and stuff like that in my parents' businesses whether that was my own under my own power or they <laughs> they kind of had to force me at times to work and things like that not too long ago I found a uh, a flyer from when I was a little kid you know that was probably my first business that I can think of I printed flyers with my aunt um and she wasn't necessarily entrepreneurial but she Uh, was staying with us and was just kind of doing fun things with me and my siblings. Um, I've got two sisters and I printed out flyers. She helped me design this flyer, printed out flyers and had a dog walking business and went door to door. And you know what's funny? I would have to ask her if she remembers, but I don't even remember how many customers I got, or if I even got any or what the results were on that business. But I found the flyer not too long ago, and I still have a picture of it. It was like some Stephen's dog walking business or something. Um, so that was that was I was very young when I was doing that. So like very very young age, we moved around. Like I had mentioned, my dad worked for a corporation, and he decided to branch out on his own. And um, first, he started with a franchise, um, and so he had done a franchise. So that kind of launched him into owning his own business. But once we were in probably, I would say fourth, fifth, sixth grade, something like that, my both sides of my grandparents had always been, uh, one side had a bunch of cattle and the other side bred bred thoroughbred racehorses. And had several hundred, was one of the largest breeders around Oklahoma. And uh, he ended up passing away when I was pretty young. And my dad just kind of took on a lot of his best horses um, and raced them while I was growing up. Um, just kind of, I think in memory of him, but came to love it and he still is involved with it pretty heavily. So really from, from young junior high till now, my dad and grandparents have all had different sorts of livestock and horses and stuff like that in my family and, and all around me. What's funny is a lot of people, you know, and not everybody, of course, but a lot of people try to, uh... Oh, I don't know, like Hollywood eyes or uh, you know, play up the I want to be a country boy type of deal and I think a lot of people that are raised in a city or raised in a a metro of some sorts want to have that lifestyle and the kids that are raised around it, they always want to be like the city kids and all that. So, I uh <laughs> I I pushed back pretty hard on that when I was in, you know, junior high high school. I liked the the sneakers and loud music and all that stuff <laughs> and uh my family had hundreds of horses and, uh, feed stores and stuff like that. So I was, uh, I was, uh, always trying to push back against that lifestyle, I guess you could say. So it wasn't uh it, it was more like a hobby out of control for my parents. Uh, they had, you know, anywhere from, I'd say 10 to, he got up to probably 50 or 60 horses at one time. And he took the majority of the work on that and would just ask me for different projects. And obviously, when I was living in his house, I was, <laughs> I owed him, you know, obviously quite a bit of work and stuff like that. And he would ask me for favors and stuff. But, um, I wouldn't say I ever really had to work full time out in the barn or anything like that. But there was a lot of, uh, projects. Uh, weaning babies is probably one of the more difficult things when you have to give, um, so you know you'd wean a horse anywhere from four to six months old sometimes longer if you kind of let it get go out of control basically if you do it wrong which we did it wrong a lot of times you're not handling them that much um, when they're real little and so when they're kind of pretty big and weigh a few hundred pounds they're being handled for the first time from a human and that's quite a challenge even the little horses will uh be pretty hard to, to handle. So that was probably my biggest memory is weaning babies, um, is a pretty big task and you basically have to tackle them and, or, you know, grab them in some way and, uh, give them their shots and, and start teaching them how to lead with a halter and a leader open stuff. I remember my senior year of high school, we were, it was right before a big game and I played center. Um, so I snapped the ball, right. And, uh, my, Dad needed help with uh some horses. well, Thursday was kind of like our uh easy day for practice and stuff like that because we were resting up because we played on Fridays, of course, and uh he was like, "Hey, we need to wean some babies. Can you help me after you get home from practice or school or whatever and I was like, yeah, they're race horses, and so a lot of times race horses are they're bred for their, how fast they are and how good they perform, not necessarily their attitudes so Oftentimes racehorses, because they don't really care what kind of attitudes they have, will be aggressive. And uh, we were weaning this one baby and he turned over and bit me and uh, bit my, it was my middle finger and basically like halfway down my middle finger all the way to the top, he bit me and like he slid his teeth all the way up and basically like skinned my finger, if you, if that makes sense. Anyway, so I didn't go to the hospital or anything. I just kind of like wrapped, we wrapped it up, but uh, kind of affected my uh, (laughs) performance uh, snapping. I not only like was the center, but I was also a deep snapper and stuff like that. So I had to use my hand a lot. And uh, anyway, so I had uh, a few experiences like that that stick out in my mind.
0: As Steve entered adulthood, the entrepreneurial mindset he had developed as a child continued to influence him
1: definitely like when i got to high school and college i started tinkering with different little things that i could make and sell or you know people would have like scrap metal and things like that and we would take those things or i, I was involved in uh, multiple uh, lawn mowing ventures and things like that so i i definitely when i started getting into high school started thinking about that but it wasn't really till i was about halfway through college so I lived with five guys, and um, three of them played football and uh, at Oklahoma State. And one of them that I started a business with actually plays uh, for the Dallas Cowboys now. He's a tight end for the Cowboys. But we started a business making these uh, wooden coolers. So basically, we would put like an igu cooler down inside this little board platform and basically dress up a cooler like if you wanted to have drinks on your back porch or whatever but we uh outfitted it with uh LED lights and college logos and stuff like that and would have we had this uh kind of custom cooler business and we sold several hundred of those from my uh I believe it was my junior year of college till I graduated it was a a pretty <laughs> I don't I wouldn't call it a serious business but I think we made as much as a lot of people make in careers just kind of tinkering with it part time there was a lot of doubt in my mind on what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to either own my own business or do something with like sales or something where I was in control of, in a sense, I was in control of my outcome, if you will. But I changed majors. I did different things. Uh, my first thing I wanted to do was I did ro- restaurant and hotel management to begin with. And I, I really wanted to have restaurants or, or uh resorts of some sort or something like that but once I got into it I, I really didn't like it that much and uh, at that point my dad had kind of talked to me about you know do you want to work with us after you graduate and stuff and and I ended up changing my major to animal science and uh, which my degree wasn't necessarily that helpful for what I do now but it, it definitely was kind of a the way I was thinking about what I wanted to do if you will.
0: Upon graduating from Oklahoma State, Steve accepted his father's offer to work at the family business full-time.
1: It's third generation is is really how it plays out. So my grandpa started it with his friend um, back in the 80s and actually started the feed store, my grandpa on my mom's side. So my other grandpa was the one that bred racehorses, but the one on my mom's side had started this store in Oklahoma City with his friend. He stepped away and then his friend took over and then that friend, um, came down with, uh, or was diagnosed with Parkinson's and was looking for somebody to, to buy him out. And that's when my parents, uh, purchased the business in 2009 and they actually originally purchased it with my grandpa, but he was only involved for, it was like six months or a year or something like that. And then they, um, bought him out. Um, so they bought the original store in Oklahoma City uh in 2009 and then since then we've uh we've had four stores uh, different stores but we just have three at this time we we closed down one of them if anything it was it's more stable than a lot of different things you can do Right. It's it's similar. I mean, it's a grocery store for animals. So if you think about grocery stores, it's not a flashy business. It's not something that is fast growing and high paced, you know, environment or anything like that. But at the end of the day, it is one of those blue collar stable type of deals. And And yes, it is somewhat of a dying industry as far as, of course, people don't people don't ride horses around every day. So yes, the population in general is kind of getting smaller, but we're much more into the lifestyle animals, if you will. So we sell a lot to performance horse type businesses that are breeding for rodeos or racehorses or um, different, you know, they're kind of in the business of horses for hobbies and things like that. Not necessarily workhorses or livestock as far as cattle and things like that. So 2014 is when I graduated from college and I was all in. I started running the business 100% and, you know, actually got some ownership in the business and really kind of like took over as far as I was able to make decisions, if you will. So at that point, I started kind of flirting around with, man, maybe we should... I mean, this is funny, like looking back, but we didn't have a website. We didn't have a Facebook page. We didn't have like anything and it was strictly we sponsored a few events and things like that but we we had no outside form of advertising so i started listening to you know different marketing things and books and stuff like that and of course my first inclination was direct sales which that is a huge driver of this business in general because we're selling to uh anywhere from 40 to 50 horses up to 500 we have a few ranches with 5 600 horses so direct sales is still a part of it, but so I first started kind of flirting with direct sales and things like that, going out and, and actually pursuing business. But as far as like the marketing side, and and that's a whole different side of, of selling, I would say probably like 2017 is when I really started making a few videos and things like that. I knew I needed to around probably 15 and 16, but if I'm being honest, at this point, I didn't really have the courage or the the guts to make videos for social media and things like that. I, I was kind of worried about some sort of judgment or or <laughs> ridicule or whatever of of being made fun of or or whatever it might be. And I and I didn't really know what to say. I guess it's funny now, like looking back, but I I do remember having those feelings, like gosh, I've got to get a Facebook page or whatever, but like, what do I put on it? You know, just pictures of our stuff or what, you know? I would say that, you know, and I don't want to be demeaning to colleges or anything like that, but I think a lot of people use the college thing as an excuse. And I'm I'm very glad that I went to college in the fact that, A, I have a bachelor's degree, so that's cool if I ever need it, you know? But, um, I would say, if anything, college, not only did it not help me, but it it maybe even hurt me in that aspect of marketing. College is only the study of things that have been done or research or whatever. And I think that in a lot of aspects of business, when you're looking at it strictly from a business point of view, and of course, don't get me wrong. I want the person that I go to the doctor to, to have a degree. Like, don't (laughs) don't misunderstand me. Um, So there is places for college, but when you look at the way that business is researched in college, the things that you can learn from other businesses, maybe HR, you can see, you know, cases of people getting sued or or best practices around hiring and firing and things like that. Um, Another very... Popular thing that people study in college would be accounting or finance practices and things like that. And make no mistake about it, studying the successes and failures of other businesses and things like that around finances and accounting, that's another great thing to study. But when you're looking at starting a new business or getting into a new industry, and even the entire industry of e commerce, even as mature as it was when I was in college in 2014, from t- 2010 to 2014 e-commerce was off to the races but how many businesses i, I mean amazon was kind of just getting st- getting rolling at that point how many businesses can you even study much less have a curriculum that's approved and 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 uh, you know a professor that's teaching it and things like that i mean i don't think they're trying to do anything wrong it's just they cannot predict the future the way that they're teaching, they're having to go off of research and and things like that. And when you look at strictly marketing, there is no, nothing about marketing that you should try to copy and imitate other businesses. Because the whole idea of why marketing is effective is, huh, I haven't seen that before. And if you're studying and researching other businesses that have been successful in marketing, you're already losing because you're trying to market the same way somebody else did and <laughs> that's the whole way marketing is effective is if you're doing something different than everyone else is doing. So, you know, I think this idea of oh, I don't know what to do, I didn't go to college or I didn't read a book, even even business books. I think there's a lot of great speakers and things like that and you can get ideas around marketing, but to be creative, I think you have to just work on your creativity and the creative muscle that each of us have and and work on that um, from the inside out. I don't think you can necessarily just learn how to be creative or learn how to market well or anything like that through a college or a, or really even a book necessarily.
0: In the late 2010s, following his early experiments with social media marketing, Steve decided to concentrate his efforts on what would become the Better Business Podcast with Steve Cook.
1: I have a large index of videos and things that I do on the feed store side, but as far as people that I like to take advice from or, or whatever, or talk about business and learn about business, I almost see that as a hobby. I love learning about other businesses and what other businesses do and things like that almost strictly as a hobby of course it helps me um in my business but you know i almost think of it as like a car mechanic that's also like a like a car junkie you know he he likes talking about cars and looking at cars or whatever well yeah sometimes that helps him on working on cars as well but i just have a passion around business and when i listen to other business podcasts for the majority of the time, of course, there's um, different podcasts that I listen to that are fun to listen to as far as it just kind of talks about um, how somebody got started or their their story similar to this one, of course. But the majority of the time I was seeking out a podcast that was almost like a tactical planned out like we did this in my business and it yielded this or we launched this business and this was the numbers behind it and how we did it. And this was the, the platform that we used. I, I, for whatever reason, love that super nerdy business talk. I just found that each podcast would get into that a little bit. You know, when you're talking to somebody about their story or whatever, you kind of learn more about how they did it or what they did or whatever. But I was Obsessed with trying to find those episodes where somebody was talking about the ins and outs and the details of their business, and I just really couldn't find that specific of a podcast. And so, basically, I I started kind of talking to other people, and they were like, "Man, it's a, it's a good way to meet people." And and for all those reasons, I I started my podcast of um, just talking super nerdy business talk. So that's kind of what we we talk about on mine. Starting or growing your business is hard work, but now you are listening to the Better Business Podcast with me, Steve Cook, and I'm going to try and make it a little easier on you. I think I originally like created a page in like 2019, and my biggest problem with my podcast was not only did it not have business results, like it had nothing to do with our actual business, right? (laughs) Like it has nothing to do with feed. It's just about other businesses. So I struggled with that for a long time of like, I need a way to sell something or do something with it or something, because that's kind of the way my business mind works. And so I finally came to the place, I think, in 2020, I started kind of working at it. But when push came to shove and I got busy and stuff like that, I pushed it off. And here this summer, I got real serious about it. And this summer is when I I hired kind of a team to help me produce the podcast and do all the the back end stuff. And once I got to the place where I, I have the disposable income to use to have a team work on it, and I am able to just talk to guests and things like that and just kind of have more fun with it. I think that's kind of where I decided to um, really just do it as a hobby and enjoy it. And if I build an audience, that's great. If not, okay as well. Um, But I love learning from other business owners. Um, I love talking to other business owners and having like a network. It doesn't really benefit me in any certain way. But I mean, I've talked to people that have over 100 locations I've talked to people that have owned uh, professional sports teams and things like that so it's just fun to get to know different people and and hear about how they did business and it's more than anything it's kind of motivating when you talk to successful people it kind of makes you feel like whoa <laughs> like i need to step up my game and and you know do do some things better or do things differently or whatever it might be and so i'd say here the last 6 months i've really taken it seriously and been more consistent with episodes and things like that, but but yeah, I started trying to tinker with it in like probably uh, a year and a half, two years ago. I guess if you had to break down my uh, the audience that I'm seeking to help, I feel very weird about trying to help an audience of let's say like somebody that has a bigger business than me or something like that. I felt weird about saying like, this is how you can grow your business, but I have grown this business from We'll approach quickly um ten million in revenue, hopefully we'll hit that next year and at least businesses smaller than that. I feel comfortable at least giving some sort of advice to and um talking to so I would say that my audience is who I'm trying to reach the most is um businesses that are from zero to one million in sales or something similar to that. um so anything that a a small business owner would encounter or find helpful or whatever. And so that's all facets. So, you know, whether that's hiring and firing or running ads or marketing or, you know, whatever it might be, um, that's kind of what I focus on as far as the topics of the podcast. As far as the podcast is concerned, I've tried just different things of building a personal brand. You know, I think my biggest driver of why i want to build a personal brand and why i had to kind of come at peace with maybe not selling something of it or whatever is i want to have a personal brand because i don't know if i always want to be in the feed industry or in the animal science industry or whatever you know however you want to kind of narrow down our industry and i just feel that having a personal brand and people recognizing that you understand the way business works and you understand how business works, that that would be something to, <laughs> that could benefit me later on, whether it's I buy a business from someone or you know someone wants to sell me their business or um, you know maybe somebody hires me to help them with their business or whatever it might be on down the road. When you say that, like that's my goal. When you say that, well, how can you do that? There's a million different ways to do that. My biggest thing is, I think a lot of things work and are successful, but it's how much time do you have to do them? If you don't have the time, how much resources do you have? And things like vlogs or things, anything around video, it seems like is either very expensive or very time consuming to edit and film and blah, blah, blah. So. You know, I found myself biting off more than I can chew multiple, multiple times. Um, And I think I'm kind of at a place now where I can afford to have a little bit of people help me with stuff, but I can also afford to um, spend a little bit of time on certain things. So I'm not spending a crazy amount of time, but I I am spending, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week on podcast stuff in general. Um, And I also have some people that help me with stuff.
0: Running the podcast has allowed Steve to discover unique insights from business leaders about the issues that entrepreneurs and creators commonly face.
1: The podcast helped me be more creative, but it's also um, pushed me and, and um, educated me in ways that I, you know, wasn't even thinking when you talk to somebody for 30 minutes to an hour that's successful about their business and why they do what they do or you know, in a very specific deal, you will very rarely not pick up something that is good advice or you know, motivating or whatever. Um, but yeah, definitely it's helped me be more creative. I, I talk to people all the time that are doing things in a completely different industry. Um, I talked about the guy that owns the sports team. And and he has a baseball stadium in Georgia. And he was talking about some of the stuff that they do. And I, I mean, it was just like, mind blowing. It affected me so much that I like, I like called a team meeting with all our managers. And like, I mean, it like changed the way that I viewed business almost like that impactful. And I don't know if it was just me, you know, like it caught me at the right place at the right time or what. But he is very brilliant, very creative person. And I I have a hard time thinking that he's not going to the moon as far as business is concerned. He was incredibly powerful. I really think the way that he talked about business and the way that he was, you know, it's not, it wasn't really the creativity like that. I think that that's a muscle and you have to constantly work at being creative. So that part didn't blow my mind as much as some, I think some people would blow their mind. Like, how did you think of that? You know, and, and that is impressive, some of the stuff he thinks about. But the way that he went at business, basically, he almost had the mentality, and he didn't say this outright, but it seemed like he had the mentality of, if I can become famous, and if I can become something that people are obsessed with, whether I make money now or not, I will be very well off in the future because if you're the most popular and people love your product, whether it's you know a baseball game or a t shirt or whatever, they're so obsessed with you that I'll be successful eventually and it really like it affected me because i'm very um not very very like over the top but i'm i'm a good portion of my brain is i'm a kind of a numbers guy. And a lot of times I'm like, man, that doesn't make sense, (laughs) you know, numbers wise. And a lot of the things he was talking about, I was just like, dude, that does not like, how do you do that? Like, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) You know, I mean, that was just kind of the mentality he had really affected me of like, whoa, and he said in our interview, and and I know he said it in other interviews that Walt Disney and and P T Barnum, like these these huge kind of creators in lifestyle, like you know they're just they were basically like attention getters, if you will, or promoters or whatever, you know. And that's kind of the the way that he goes about business, and it really affected me in the way that. Am I thinking too small when I try to make every penny and every dime matter? And of course, like you gotta be careful. Like you can put yourself out of business if you don't know your numbers and things like that. But I think it really shifted my mindset a lot. And and like I said, that episode should be live in, in a week or two, I think. Yeah, so Montana Knife Company, there's a guy that was making knives in Montana. And he was just kind of doing it as a hobby and he found that he it was kind of a hobby out of control. His buddies were asking him to make knives and then his buddies' buddies were asking him to make knives and he was constantly just making knives for people. And he decided to try to kind of, you know, really create a business and a and a team around him to make knives for a living and, and have a real business around it. So he joined with this, I think that five or six people and decided to start a business. And one of the guys that was foundational in the business, I don't know if he's a part owner or not or or how that breaks out. He didn't offer up those details, but he was one of the founding people that started his the knife company, he, I had him on the podcast. His name is Brandon, and he is really in charge of all the marketing and the basically the front-facing side of the knife business. So the other guy handles the the creation of the knives and the building of the knives and all that, but Brandon handles the front end of the, the knife business. The episode that we posted recently about that was really about Instagram because they have, you know, not a staggering amount I think they have anywhere from 30 to 50,000 followers or something like that. I mean, it's not like they have millions or anything crazy, but what really drew me to them is they are doing unique things on Instagram. And it seemed like when I looked into their Instagram, they were selling really well on Instagram. And after talking to him, I didn't realize how good they were selling. Like it was true. My suspicions were true. They only for the most part, only sell through Instagram and would sell thousands and thousands of knives within a 20-minute period on Instagram. So they haven't been able to catch up with the shortage of supply. And they found this weird little niche of selling on Instagram where they do these knife drops. And so they've built up such an audience on Instagram that wants their knives that they've almost made them kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me of like some of these other limited things like Supreme or whatever that you only have a certain amount of them. And once they're gone, they're gone. And they are selling thousands and thousands of knives in like five minutes. And so they'll drop a knife at a certain time when they have the supply in stock. They'll get all the knives made and then they'll post them as live on their website and they will publish it through Instagram and will sell tons of knives that way but I just kind of talked to him about how they built their actual Instagram following and stuff like that because that those things don't come overnight right like they've been building that page for years um, and was just kind of talking to him about how do you create that loyalty and that constant state of top of mind awareness for a bunch of people that follow you know a lot of people will follow hundreds if not thousands of people on Instagram and That's only one social media platform when there's, you know, 10 that are very important and and arguably more than that, I'm sure that are that are very popular. So you've got all these social media platforms you've got on this one social media platform, Instagram, you've got all these people that follow you that also follow thousands of other people. And how do you become important enough to these people that they're willing to stop what they're doing and, you know, watch a clock to try to have a chance at this limited edition knife um, that's pretty highly priced. I mean, they're in the knife world, they're not, I guess, not super expensive, but for the common person, they are. So, you know, that's kind of what I talked to him about was like, how did you do that? (laughs) And um, man, he gave tons of different, Tips and tactics and things like that, but that was kind of the idea behind the episode. If that makes sense, it's funny. I I had a uh, I did a solo podcast. So I I do one solo podcast every week. I I interview somebody once a week, but I also post a solo podcast. And I had a a podcast about freelancer versus entrepreneur. I think both are right. A lot of people want to like build a business or whatever, but they want to be the only employee and they're. They want to have that like attention or or um, reputation that they're a business owner or whatever. I I really don't I don't think one is more important than the other or one is more impressive than the other. It really doesn't matter to me as far as that goes. What I think is important though is that you know what you want to achieve, and the biggest difference that a lot of people don't think about. Between The difference between a freelancer and an entrepreneur, if you will, or a small business owner, either way, however you want to call it, is a freelancer, at the end of the day, you are always involved in the work. And a business owner, a small business owner, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, the whole idea, the whole premise of (laughs) setting that up is that you do not have to be involved in any point of the work. So, and, and and of course that sounds like, you know, golden streets and pearly, like, you know, I'm gonna set up a business and I don't have to be there. Of course, like I understand that's not practical for the majority of businesses. You, of course, always need to be involved and, and keeping an eye on it. But I think the biggest difference is, is if, let's take a, a video creator for an example. Incredible business either way. You can be a freelancer and be a video editor or video creator, or whatever and make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and be the only employee. Or you can set up a, what would be called, you know, I guess a production studio or whatever you want to call it and do the same thing. You can make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And in both those examples, you can also make $5,000 a year if you're not very good at it, right? So it either way doesn't matter. Okay. Well, here's the mindset is different though. With a freelancer or with a solo entrepreneur is what a lot of people call them, or whatever. If you are setting up where, hey, I don't ever want to have a business. I don't want to build this big old business, you know, where I, it's out of my control. That freaks me out. I don't want that. You know, I just want to have good work life balance and and be able to work. I want to own my job, basically. That's fine, but a you can name that business after yourself you can introduce people and say hey i will be the one that works on all your stuff you know there's tons of different advantages that you can appeal to and and use that as maybe even like a sales pitch you can you know it's just a whole different mentality where if you're trying to set up a production studio you need to be very clear and upfront with people that hey i won't always be involved with your work i'm not always going to be editing your stuff I'm not always going to be the one that you talk to. I won't be your point of contact. I'm going to hire somebody that will be in charge of your account or whatever it might be. And so if you're going to set up a business around that, even video creation or whatever it might be, an artist or whatever, you have to have systems in place before you hire that. Okay, so if you're going to have what's called an account manager, you need to tell people up front, if you did get that client, you need to say, hey, I won't be calling on you. And when you go to hire somebody, you need to say, here is the 10-step process to hire or to handling this person's account. You're going to touch base with them on Mondays. If they reach out to you and have a complaint, here's the protocols when you email them this is what the format will look like when they you need them to fill something out this is the program you you know you have a system in place for somebody to handle that so i think that's the biggest deal is what a lot of people do is they start out freelancing then they're like hey i want to hire somebody to help me well it's a whole different mindset switch you just can't say like i want to have somebody hire me you have to think about that from the beginning and you know either have those conversations with your customers or the employees that you work with, or else it it'll come crashing down. Because if you use that sales pitch, I'm going to be the one that always works on your stuff. And then six months later, you hired you know some guy named Sean, and here you go. That might blow their mind. And and if you don't have the systems and the processes in place for Sean to be successful at that, Sean's going to quit after two months, and <laughs> you're going to be you know disappointed because nobody will work for you, and the, you might lose the customer because they weren't expecting that either. So. I think that's the biggest difference and that's the biggest way that you can win at either of those is is just the mindset before you start out the venture or, you know, if you want to change, like just be aware of you need to have systems in place and and some things to be able to replace yourself at any given point. I think that it just depends on what you want to do with your life, really. Um, How do you see yourself? Like I had mentioned before, I enjoy talking about business. so. First off, you need to audit like what you're doing of if you enjoy it or if you don't enjoy it, all that. And and of course I've been at times in my life where I hated doing certain things. There's there's sometimes you hate what you're doing, but it's for the greater <laughs> it's for the greater good, right? You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to plug away at stuff that you don't like so that you can get to a different point. But I think the idea of balance is you need to figure out what you want. Um, so first off, I don't let anything come before my whatever you want to call it, religious practice or anything like that. I'm very adamant about I wouldn't say I never miss church, but I don't really let anything come between that, um, besides obvious like illness or something like that. We even uh go to church like when we travel or, you know, we that's one of our largest priorities in my family. So I think priorities is is one of the biggest things. Um I work more than a lot of other people as far as like spouses are concerned. My wife is okay with the amount that I work. And she, to offset that, she also stays home with our two kids. We have two kids. So, you know, I think that's another difference. Like (laughs) that's also a little more pressure (laughs) because, you know, that's all the the income is, is reliant on me. But, you know, so that's another difference. So I think a lot of times it's easy to be like, man, you work anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a week. Most of the times, you know, I definitely always work five days a week um usually work 6 days a week um and 7 is a rarity i'm almost always off on sundays i'll just tinker here and there you know if i need to go do something every once in a while but most time i do nothing with that involves hardcore work on sundays i think that balance is all about what you want to do when do you want to be retired when do you want to do you want to travel do you not want to travel do you want i mean i've i i got in an argument with a guy one time and he was talking about how he thinks it's so stupid that I work so much. I need to enjoy myself when I'm young and healthy and able to actually travel and able to actually enjoy myself. Because if I'm trying to save up a bunch of money and retire someday, you're going to be older and not as healthy and all that. And honestly, like I think that's a good point, but (laughs) like, I mean, obviously like everyone just has to live their own life. Like, I mean, I have employees that, this is their only job and they don't want to work more than 30 hours a week and that blows my mind but I also have employees that they don't care how much they work and if you'll pay them more they'll work you know I mean so I've learned the work-life balance thing with employees different mindsets blow other people's minds and they can't wrap their mind around it I've <laughs> I've come to terms with the fact that everyone has a different perspective and a different view on that and it's okay because it's your life like do whatever you want you know So I've learned to work with a bunch of different personalities and work-life balance choices, whether it's uh, marketing people or managers or whatever.
0: Steve also feels that his commitment to his podcast has helped him to conquer the initial fears he had associated with content creation.
1: I think practice is a lot of it, is how I got over it, just doing it. You know, I think the thing that drove me the most crazy, and I've come to terms with it, is a lot of people don't understand what you're doing. So I started this video series on our feed store side called Steve's Horse Show. Well, when I explain it to you, hey, I'm starting a video series called Steve's Horse Show. 90% of our clientele in our three stores around the metro is selling to horse owners. Okay, so do you have any idea why I'm starting a show called Steve's Horse Show? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it has direct business results. So I go out to ranches and I interview ranches, which when you say, hey, would you like to be on Steve's Horse Show? That's a lot easier sales call than, hey, can I come talk to you about feed? (laughs) You know, so I would use it as a lead generator. I would post it on all different social media places and um, advertise with the videos and stuff like that. I mean, they were like, five to 10 minute interview movies or something, you know, in, in some respects. So, but I think the thing that drove me the most crazy is you would see somebody at church or you would see somebody in even another customer. Oh, there he is. He's just out there making more videos. And there's a video guy. What do you do? You know, screw around on YouTube all day. And I think it drove me the most crazy because I'm like, no, I'm running a multi-million dollar business here and I have a creative idea to get more business and you can't explain that to everyone. And if you did, you would look like a jerk, you know? So I think that's what made me the most mad is it it looked stupid to people that were just like, what are you doing? I thought you were running, I thought you were working. You're just out making videos all day and blah, blah, blah. I just came to terms with like, hey, no one's ever going to understand what you're doing. No one ever really... If you see somebody in the middle of a day on a work day, eating at a restaurant, you're like, man, that must be nice. A guy gets to go eat at restaurants all day during the middle of the day. And you don't know if he just worked 48 hours straight and pulled an all-nighter. And, you know, so at different points in anyone's life, they can look lazy. At different points in anyone's business, it can look like they just screw around all day. But here's the deal. If you build a successful business and you are successful financially or whatever, you can check the score later. Like just let people think whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Like just work on your own, your own self or your own business or whatever. Trying to protect yourself and not put yourself out there because you're worried of some sort of judgment, whether it's they think you're lazy or they think you're stupid or whatever. People are gonna think that whether you're doing videos or not. If I didn't do any videos, then people are like, man, that guy never advertises. And that guy's always, you know, I mean like, no matter what people are gonna think of you In some sort of way. So you might as well just do what you want to do. I'd say like more general advice that I has been on my mind lately is, you know, we have anywhere from 20 to 30 employees at any given time. So I deal with a lot of like, you don't understand or you know, they run out of money at certain times or they, you know, need more hours at this time or they're taking another job at this time. And and a lot of times when I disagree with that person, I start watching, you know, if I have somebody come and ask for a paycheck early or something like that, I start auditing. And I, I found so much that people don't think that everything that happens to them is up to them you're in control of your destiny. And I think a lot of people, you know, look at other people around them, whether it's the people that they work with or, and I've even fielded this from other employees, like, man, you don't understand, like you come in at nine o'clock and you blah, 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 but they have no idea that I wake up at four every day and read business books for an hour and work on my computer. And (laughs) I put in sometimes 12 to 14 hours almost every day. And, You know, I think a lot of people look at other people and say, "Man, that must be nice," but they don't think that everything is in your control. The longer I've seen different people have struggles financially, and of course, don't get me wrong—like everybody has times when you know something. I'm sure my time is coming where you know somebody puts a competitor puts in a store across the street, and it causes a real financial boo-boo for us or whatever. My time's coming. Like, you know, it's going to happen. But I think the majority of your, whether you want to call it your life or your financial success or whatever, it's up to you. You can make yourself better by books. You can make yourself better by cold calling people and asking. You can make yourself better by inventing a podcast and asking people that you respect to be on it or whatever. Like, I just feel like, so many people think that your success is dependent on the cards you draw when you're born, but I really feel like so many people the the hard skills of like intelligence and all that stuff that's a tiny portion of your actual success. I think working hard and having that no fear mentality of, you know, I can go talk to this person or I'll go handle this or whatever it might be, or I'm not going to take no for an answer. That type of mentality is way more important than any hard skills. And I think anybody can have that mentality. You just have to (laughs) work on it.
0: Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at Creators by Moonlight.